Welcome to the Beyond Ordinary Woman podcast. Every two weeks, we'll post a podcast version of one of our free training videos, but you can access them now at beyondordinarywomen.org. This episode or series includes downloadable information on our website, beyondordinarywomen.org. Go to resources on the main menu and click on podcast slash video extras. Enjoy the podcast. Hi, I'm Kay Daigle of Beyond Ordinary Women Ministries, and I am delighted today to welcome Debbie Swindoll as our special guest. Debbie is the founder of Grafted Life Ministries. She is an author. While at Grafted Life Ministries, she envisioned and co-wrote 10 studies to help people in their relationship with God and with one another. She is a graduate of Viola with a master's in spiritual formation and soul care. So welcome, Debbie. We are so happy to have you today. Well, I'm pleased to be here. It's wonderful to be able to um, join you today. Well, of the studies that Debbie has written, I went through Life with God several years ago with a group, and it is a fabulous, fabulous study that I recommend to everyone. So anybody out there who's not familiar with it, I suggest that you you find it. Where is it available, Debbie? It's on the Grafted Life website, so graftedlife.org. Great, great. Well, we are doing a series on reimagining discipleship. And the reason that we're doing that is because I've just had a burden for what I've been seeing in the church. The division that's been in the church over secondary issues, the nastiness that has mm. been seen on social media, um, just so many things the past few years have, have just disturbed me greatly. And I have come to believe that there is something in our discipleship process, maybe our methods, maybe what we're, we're stressing. I, you know, I'm open to whatever it is, but I'm on a search to try to find out what those things are. And, and so that, so that the church can be united again and we can be serving God and his kingdom. And so I thought, we definitely needed somebody coming from a spiritual formation perspective. And I couldn't be more delighted that Debbie is the one who is able to join us in that. But Debbie, what I want to start with you question wise is just this. Explain what spiritual formation is, because I know some people, even, even in the church who've been there for, for years, their church doesn't use that terminology and they aren't really sure what it means. Yeah, it's... Um... So interestingly, you sent me this question, you know, it, it kind of in light of discipleship. Um, and you said, you know, what is discipleship and how is spiritual formation a part of that? Mm -hmm. And I think that is, that's a lot of times what people struggle with. Like, um, I really love what Dallas Willard says about that. He says, discipleship is a status. Spiritual formation is a process. And I love that distinction. So if you think about the fact that the Great Commission is to go out and make disciples, well, how do you become a disciple? Well, you get into relationship with Jesus. 
So really any Christian who gets into relationship with Jesus has a status of disciple. Now, they may not do much with that, <laughs> but nonetheless, in fact, even some ways of how you understand the whole kind of salvation process influences that a lot. Because if you think that salvation is just your ticket to heaven, then you may not need to do anything else after that. But that's not really the way the Bible explains this whole process of being saved. It's more that Jesus introduces us back into relationship with God, this relationship we were meant to have all along um, with our creator. And so when we come into this relationship with Jesus, we come in now with a status of disciple. Now the question then becomes, well, what's that process of growing then? And in the last, oh, I don't know, 30, maybe 40 years, they've used this term spiritual formation. It's become popular. And it's really just the process of sanctification. It's another way to talk about sanctification. So then how do we go along that journey of being a disciple? If discipleship is our status, what is that process that kind of helps us to grow to become more like Christ? And so that's really spiritual formation. Right. I love that explanation. So as you think about what's going on in the church, what are we missing in that spiritual formation component in that process of becoming more like Christ? What are we not stressing or what methods are we doing wrong? I mean, what, what do you see from your perspective? Because this whole idea of reimagining discipleship is going to involve several several different women that we're interviewing who come from various perspectives. And I really think that your perspective is, is real important. And so how do we look at it? What do you see when you think about that? Well, I think the first question that we need to ask is what really changes us? <laughs> and I think for a long time, especially in the evangelical church, and I only speak from an American church context and mostly from an evangelical context. So I'm going to just lay that out there. We have for several decades now really had kind of a model of discipleship that was about learning truth and making better choices. And so if you're making bad choices, then you must have to learn more truth, or maybe you got the truth wrong. And in some ways, this whole idea or this, pro or this practice that we have, or this understanding that we have of what it means to grow more like Christ has kind of led us in some ways to some of the divisions that you're experiencing right now. Because what happens is then, well, I have this truth and you have that truth. So I'm in this group and you're in that group. And so we start to divide by these truths that we know. And so this is kind of the whole origin of denominationalism, <laughs> you know, yeah. well, we can't agree on the truth. So you go start another church over here. And so more truth, better choices is kind of been the way that we've, we've done that. And in fact, if you think about what's been like a traditional discipleship program, you get a mentor that teaches you the doctrine of the church and how you're supposed to live. And they walk alongside you till you start making better choices. <laughs> well, 
that I, I think that's true. I, I also think that some discipleship programs are mostly learning skills. How do you study the Bible? How do you pray? How do you share your faith? I've yes. been in those too, that they don't even really walk alongside you very long. It's more or less, you know, let me show you how to, how to do these things and you'll succeed. Right. But in the end, it's still more like, how do you learn more to better? Right. It is. I mean, better yeah. choices, you know? Yeah. I mean, I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just saying that. Yeah. Yeah. And you yeah. know, there's the funny thing about it, about um, this whole thing is that good truth is good. Knowing truth is a good thing. And I, in saying this, I'm not saying that knowing the truth is a bad, what I'm, what I, what I'm, what I want to say is it's just not the way it works to actually change us as people. And that's the thing that we don't talk about it a lot. Like how do we really work as people that we get changed? I, I love there's a, there's an insurance ad that was out several years ago and it, it's, it's hysterical. There's these three older women and one of them is, is saying, I think her name is Beatrice. And she's saying, I, I, I've decided that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make it easy on myself and I'm going to share all my vacation photos by posting them on my wall. And in the background is the literal wall in her hallway. And she has all these <laughs> pictures posted up on the wall. So she's going to share this with her friends by posting it on her wall. And one of her friends is sitting there and she's like, well, that, that's not that's not it, that, that won't work. And so then she Beatrice looks over and she goes, I defriend you. <laughs> and then her friend stands up, she goes, that's not how it works. That's not how any of this works. And it's a very hysterical um, way to show how we can have misunderstandings of certain things. And that's not really the way it works at all. And I think this is, this is part of where we are in the whole growth in our spiritual life thing is we're trying a lot of things that don't really have a lot of effect because yeah. ideas don't really change us like just learning more truth and trying to make better choices doesn't really change us right. what really changes us as human beings are relationships so tell us a little bit about your journey in the spiritual formation yeah, well, I kind of came to it midlife. I think I, I grew up in the church. I, I, my dad was a pastor when I was born. And, but he had some issues in his own life. He left the pastorate because he'd had an affair. So there were formational issues at play in my home that, you know, I, so I grew up with this thing like, well, you can have a lot of good ideas, but your life doesn't necessarily going to live out that way. And this was a kind of a deep knowing for me, just coming from my family. But I think I tried all the traditional things. I mean, I did Bible study. I led Bible studies. I, I, I you know, was in accountability groups. But I still found that as a person like my my kind of natural instincts and stuff still operated on a whole nother level. And so I was, I was in more sin management than I was in actual transformation as a person. Mm -hmm. And that became like, that's exhausting. Yeah. And I think I felt that 
that weariness a lot. And so I wanted to know, well, how do you get the real heart change? You know, we talk a lot and it, not maybe so much now, but 30 years ago, it was like, well, how do you get that head knowledge down to your heart? You know, how do you make this 12 inch journey so mm -hmm. that something different happens inside of you? And it wasn't really until I went into my graduate program that that started making sense to me because I was connected and in relationships with people and in an idea of what it was to actually relate with God in my everyday life, that I started to see some of the healing and the loosening of some of the internal things that I would say drove me all the time. Mm -hmm. And so I've been looking at this, the, uh, really re-looking at this book that I'd read earlier by a gentleman, um, Jim Wilder, it's called, his book is called Renovated. And he talks about like how he understood his Christian life from the beginning. And he gives like three kind of simple points. The first is talk with Jesus about everything. The second is don't do anything out of fear. And the third is love people deeply. And I really connect with this idea of just talk with Jesus about everything. And that really transformation starts to happen when Jesus is included in everything we do in life. Jesus isn't an idea. He's not a truth we learn about. He's actually a person that interacts with us. He's, he's someone who is there to help. He's someone to share joy with us. He's someone to give comfort. And because we have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, we have that connection with him. And after a while, Jesus starts to become my people. Like I start to enter into what it is to be reborn into a different family. Because all of our, all of our actions in life come out of who are my people? You know, what's my identity with the people in my life? And when we come into the faith, God says, well, now you're born again and you have a new family, you have a new father, but what's the process now by which we transition to this new family, to these new people now that are going to be the identity that is our first reaction in life? So that when I was in grad school, this was what happened to me. I mean, I was in this three-year experience where now I'm with people that are loving me, they're accepting me, they're knowing me very deeply, but in the middle of that, they're always aware that God is with us too. So this whole spiritual component of, well, what is God doing? Let's look for that. Let's be together in that. Let's welcome that. And whatever I was feeling was something to just bring into my relationship with God. Because it was his presence and the presence of his people that then started loosening to making new people for me, which now, which then it, in my actual brain function started saying, what do my people do? You know, and, and that healed a lot of places for me and really opened up a whole new life. Right. So, so how, how do we apply that to churches in general? I mean, 
what what are people on church staff or what do I do if I'm just walking alongside a woman thinking she says you know I I need somebody to disciple me I mean how how do we how do we apply that in a practical way well, you know, the only way you can actually start to be with others in this place is if you actually experience it yourself. I think one of the things that struck me about the term spiritual formation in the last few years, because, you know, I think everybody has it, even when you're, you're in formation, you may have a different definition of what spiritual formation is. Yeah. But I've camped on in the last couple of years, the spiritual part, like I've been really influenced by studying children's spiritual formation. And there's a gal, Lisa Miller is her name. She's written a book called The Spiritual Child. And she talks from a um, research psychologist's perspective of that children are born with the capacity for spirituality. And when she talks about that, she means that they have the ability to relate to the transcendent. They're able to have a relationship with God. Like they come pre-programmed for that. Sometimes we see this kind of playing out in like the amount of imagination children have, their freedom to play and enter in. That freedom that they come with when they're born and if they're not damaged by some kind of abuse or neglect, is just very open and they they have this openness to relate to God, to, to see him, to, to feel his presence. But when that's not nurtured, that's often lost. So when we think about adult discipleship or adult formation, often the spiritual part is kind of laying dormant in us. So even when we think about the fact that, oh, there's a God to relate to, and he's a spirit. We don't know how to do that. We don't. So some of some of the, I think the journey is for adults is you kind of have to allow God to enliven that in you again. Just the ability to, oh, he's present with me. What might that feel like? Or when I go to read scripture, I can have an experience of God. Like there's a person here there's a person here loving me through these words and kind of have to open up to the fact that there's a person to relate to, not just ideas to access. Right. And when we start moving toward that, then, then other people in the body of Christ can support that by asking the questions like, well, I wonder what God is doing in that or well, I can't fix you. I can't, you know, it's not my advice that's important, but it's more like, what is God calling you to in this? Now we can look at scripture together and we can find, you know, principles that are going to hold us in that place. God's not going to tell us anything that's going to counteract what he said in his word. So we have, we have good guardrails around that, but we still need to have that personal connection that fact that we're calling Jesus into it. I love Jane Willard, Dallas Willard's wife is a therapist. And um, it's said of her that down the hall, she was doing therapy in a different way than some of the other psychologists were doing in the building. She was inviting Jesus into everything. 
And it's when together as a community and as an individual, we invite Jesus into everything that something starts to happen that's actually transformational. And mostly it's because we're feeling Jesus' love and we're bonding back to him in that experience that now, oh, we're able to let go. We're able to enter into being a different kind of person that makes different choices. Yeah, that's, that's all really good. So in, in some ways, in some ways, this is simple because, because it's not a complicated fix, but it's, but it's, if it's new to us, if, if that sort of relationship with Jesus is not what someone has experienced, learning something new and participating in it can be can seem difficult. That can seem like a difficult thing to do. So what you're saying is the community around you is really a key in fostering that type of growth and that type of change in a person from just knowing about Christ and living constantly with his presence. How do you build that kind of community if it's not there? You know, this is one of the reasons why we wrote Life with God <laughs> is because we had, uh, I wrote it with another um, colleague who had also gone through the same graduate program that I went through. And we noticed the incredible transformation that happened to people in, in this thing. And it was a part of them entering more deeply into their relationship with God, but it was also the community that was holding them in that place. And so we thought, well, not everyone's going to be able to go to graduate school. I mean, that, first of all, it's really expensive and it's, it's just not feasible that, you know, but what, what could we bring that would be in the church that, you know, when you went to church, you could have a group of people that were walking with you in this way. And that was really the germ of this idea of, well, let's create a journey for people that would be long enough to kind of hold them in these relational changes and, and be incremental because you kind of have to kind of um, like you have to put out the breadcrumbs that lead them to the water. Mm -hmm. um, and you have to realize that our most enduring quality or character flaw from the fall is what I would call autonomy. <laughs> it's like when, the, when, when Eve looked and she saw that the fruit could make her wise, then that's like, well, I'll just do life without God. And so sin at its very nature is doing life without God. And we are so practiced. We're habituated in it. It's our habit. It's our automatic to just make our own decisions. And sometimes that also creeps into our sanctification. Like we come, we, we become Christians, but now we're just bringing the way we always do life on, on our own into, well, then I'll just make myself a good disciple. And the whole point of being saved is that we no longer have to do life on our own. Now we do life with Jesus. It's a with proposition. We're not doing life for God. We're not doing life over or under God. Sky Jatani has a great book called With, and he talks about these different ways that we can relate to God. And really the one that's scriptural is that 
there's a life with. Mm-hmm. And but when we're habituated in doing life alone, that's that's a lifetime transition. And you need some structure maybe to hold you in that. And the life with God studies actually do that with a group of people who now are saying, okay, I want to recognize how I do life so much on my own. And I want to open up to, oh, so what does it look like to do life with Jesus? How do I invite him into these things? I'll give you a quick personal example. When I was in grad school, moving up to that point, I was struggling with a lot of anxiety. And when I look back on it, I I think God was shutting down a lot of my coping mechanisms that weren't him, that were my own ways to manage life. And, And as he was kind of shutting those down, those were no longer working. My anxiety was growing. And I was doing all of the things I knew to do as a Christian. I was praying it away. I was you know, quoting scripture, I was doing all these things, but it wasn't helping. My anxiety was still growing. And when I got into grad school, I remember one of my profs, he, he had this phrase, he said, anxiety is the idiot light on your dashboard. It's telling you something is not right. It's just something to pay attention to. And then he said this most frightening thing to me. He said, you know, you have to like make anxiety your friend. And I'm like, no, no, it's for the last 10 years. Anxiety is the enemy. I've been avoiding it. I've been pushing it away. I've been managing it. And he introduced me to this concept of, well, what would it be if you turned toward your anxiety and you entered it with Jesus? This was a foreign concept to me. I know, well, how do you do that? How do I go? You know, how do I stop ignoring the things that are turning inside? And instead, I, I, I come to Jesus with those very things. And I learned that in his presence, there may be some answers, answers to understanding myself better. Where is that coming from? but also answers to how can actually Jesus love start to heal some of the deeper places where that anxiety lived. So yeah, this whole idea of of recognizing first what's going on inside of us and then opening that actually to my, in my relationship with Jesus, I'm gonna tell Jesus about it. I'm gonna listen here. I'm going to be present to it and not ignore it were some huge turning points for me. And I think in life with God, we kind of help people to to be together in that and kind of demystify. Okay, it feels really scary, but in the end, it's your true way to freedom that Jesus really wants to be with you, help you understand this and give you some healing from it. Yeah, that's wonderful. That's the right way to put it. Well, thank you, Debbie. I think I think that's probably a real good place for us to end our conversation. And again, you can find Life with God and other curriculum that Debbie has done on the Grafted Life website. Graftedlife.org. Great. Let me mention one more thing too. The yeah, other that's thing you great. can find on our website is a list of spiritual directors. 
And spiritual directors are someone who will walk alongside you in this way. And this is one of the reasons I think I love the ministry of spiritual direction so much is it helps you to start to recognize where God may be working in your life. So a spiritual director is not a counselor, but you can talk about anything, but they're going to ask you two questions that, that, are, that are so informative over time. Well, what do you think God's doing in your life? And how are you responding to what God might be doing? And so it's a great way to start opening up kind of those spiritual senses with another person that will help you start to grow to see God more and more and respond back to him in a yes, Lord, let's talk about that kind of way. Right. I went to a spiritual director for a while and I, I was really happy that I had done that. And I think that that's a really good thing. I'm glad you brought that up because for someone who's out there listening to this conversation and thinking, I don't have those people in my life who want to do life with God with me or who, who, who are doing what Debbie is describing in any way. And where do I find that? This is a great way to find one person yes. that can speak into your life, that can help you see these things. Uh, you don't have to have the group. You can just have one, one ally, basically, somebody who who understands how God speaks and understands how to listen well to what God is doing. Yeah. And um, we have a, we have an association and they're all Christ centered spiritual directors. So there's a kind of an ease you can have that there's going to be a, a truth <laughs> thing because truth is important. And you know um, yeah. the, what the things we believe are important. So um, but these, these directors are going to, you're not going to have to worry about, are they out there in some, you know, weird kind of way. So, right. Because I think historically spiritual directors were more in other traditions other than the evangelical world. And, you know, I've noticed, I know many spiritual directors now, whereas 30 years ago, I had never even heard of one. And so it's, it has been increasingly popular for evangelicals to have spiritual directors now. Yeah, it's a, it's a really great, and it's only a once a month thing. So it's not, it's not a huge commitment, but I, as a spiritual director myself, I'm always, um, I don't know, surprised. I can't, I shouldn't say I'm still surprised after 15 years, but it always amazes me how after just a few sessions, people start getting that question in their head, like, and they start actually looking for how God might be involved in what's, ha and what's happening. And those spiritual senses, you know, God enlivens those and, and they start working again. And it's like, oh, I start to see God in my circumstances. I start to hear him in the things people tell me. It starts resonating. I see, oh, you know, it's those experiences that you have where it's like, well, you know, I heard that in the Sunday sermon. And then I was talking to someone and they said the exact same thing. And then I was reading my Bible three days later and I ran across a verse that it's like, yeah, well, now you start seeing God is active and he's. He's giving you experiences that help you to understand what he's inviting in your life. Right. Well, thank you, Debbie. I think this has been very illuminating and very helpful with practical 
suggestions and sharing of yourself as well. We appreciate your being willing to do that. So our whole series is on reimagining discipleship, and I hope that you will uh, either watch the videos or listen to the podcast of all of these. And we just are here. If you have questions, if you need to contact Beyond Ordinary Women, just contact us at beyondordinarywomen.org. We also have over 100 other videos for, for your spiritual life and for leadership and from people like Debbie who have experience and background and know what they're talking about. So we just invite you to browse our resources and join us again. Thank you again, Debbie. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Beyond Ordinary Women podcast. You can find more podcast episodes and resources for women in leadership by going to beyondordinarywomen.org. This podcast is produced by Beyond Ordinary Women Ministry. Our production team includes Evelyn Babcock, Kay Daigle, Deborah Herring, and Sharifa Stevens. Theme music, Back in Stride by Don Miller, used courtesy of Christine Miller.